glad you're here? Kids, are you ready for Christmas? Because Christmas time is here, right? Whether you like it or not. You know what? They should write a song about that. But anyway, it is Christmas time, and, and, and with Christmas, there's always a tradition that takes place, right? And every family, I guarantee every family has some sort of tradition that takes place on Christmas morning or even New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve, right? Now, I would ask, how many of you do not have a tradition? Well, shame on you if you don't. But I am glad you are here. In fact, one of our traditions is, if you think about it, uh, we're probably starting one right now. We have Christmas Eve service in the morning. We're having Christmas Eve service in the afternoon. And by the way, the next time we have this, and, but you, and you got two different speakers, and the next time we have this, it's going to be in 2028. Hope you're here. And if you missed that, you could come on 2034. And if you missed that one, how about 2045? And by the way, some of you will probably be celebrating Christmas somewhere else with Jesus, right? And then, of course, <laughs> I know I'm not going to make this one, 2051. So, uh, well, maybe I will. I'll be a little over 100. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, but there is always a tradition when it comes to Christmas. And many of the family traditions that each of us have at Christmas is centered around what in the home? Well, Jesus, yes, but then there's some, some decoration. What is it? A Christmas tree. Now, is your, does everybody have a Christmas tree in their home? Who said no? Well, this message is for you. But if you think about it, there is, there's a tree somewhere. You know, we have a beautiful tree out in the foyer, and, and it's gorgeous to see, and it's lit up at night. But, but uh, it doesn't matter uh, if there's a tree in your home or not. But if you, if you travel around, you'll see trees everywhere decorated. Some are large, some are small, some are real, some are artificial. But, uh, and some may look like Charlie Brown's tree. But it doesn't matter. There's something about Christmas that is incomplete without a tree. So, folks, that if you said no, it's incomplete. Just letting you know. And, by the way, it's not scripture, okay? But the Bible is the record of the story of Christmas. Did you know that? From Genesis all the way to Revelation. But the Christmas story is not just those words that Linus quoted in the Charlie Brown Christmas story in, in Luke chapter 2. But at, throughout the story, there are trees that are marked in the beginning. There's a climax tree. And there's the tree 
at the end of the story. So, and these trees we're going to call this morning the Christmas trees. So just bear with me. We're going to be looking at the trees in the garden out of Genesis chapter 2, 8 through 9. And this is what is, uh, is written. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. And the Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, when you think of this tree, we also think about that love relationship that God had. He brought mankind into the world, and he placed them in the garden thousands of years ago. And it began with two people. Kids, who are those two people? Adam and Eve. And of course, the creation was on the sixth day. And God took the dust of the earth and he formed it into the body of man and then breathed life into that body and he made man in his own image. Amen? Genesis also tells us in chapter 2, it is not good for man to be alone. So he created a really wonderful puppy. No. He created a wife. And by the way, she wasn't even wrapped. So, so if you think about that first Christmas, it was a wife. And she wasn't even wrapped. And both Adam and his wife, Eve, they were perfect. Perfect. I always, I always wanted to ask my wife, how good am I? And, and I'm waiting for the word, you're perfect. But we know that's not going to ever happen. And then they had a physical imperfection. And more importantly, they were without sin. I can't even imagine that. Not sin in the world. That meant that they could enjoy the relationship with God with nothing standing between them. God placed these two perfect persons in a perfect environment. And that meant that they could enjoy a relationship with God with nothing standing between them at all. There was no danger. There was no sickness. And in the middle of that garden, God placed two trees. The Bible speaks of them, of course, in the verses that we just read. But God put one simple requirement on the young couple. And he said this in Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the men, the man... You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you certainly will die. If you eat, there is going to be a consequence. Now I want you to think about it, kids. Think about this. You may have gifts under that tree. And you're looking at it. And one of them may have your name on it. He says, and by the way, it's not Christmas yet. And you have that temptation. 
to go to the, under that tree without mom and dad being around, and you're going to pick up that gift, I recommend you don't shake it. And you're wondering what that is. Only if, I, oh man, I would want, oh man, I want to open this thing. I bet it's going to be good stuff. And by the way, if I open it now, guess what? I'll have more time to play with it, whatever it might be. But you know what? <clears throat> On the gift, it says, do not open until Christmas. Is there a temptation there? Oh, yeah. There's a temptation. You remember that warning that God gave Adam and Eve? He wasn't kidding. See, you already know the story. Adam and Eve resisted the temptation for a little while until someone came along and started speaking to entice them. You know, every family has one. I had one. And uh, she got me in trouble a lot of times. But the Bible records that there was someone there in the garden who convinced Adam and Eve to disobey God and bring sin into the world. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God was just kidding about this death stuff. He just doesn't want you to have any fun. And that's just a paraphrase. You see, he's having all the fun. It isn't logical to have to wait until Christmas to open up all your presents. Well, Eve listened to the argument that the serpent gave, and of course you know the rest of the story. True to his word, God brought death to Adam and Eve because of their sin. The death wasn't immediate, of course, but it came. And since you and I are descendants of Adam, we have inherited from him that sin nature and its penalty. We find in Romans chapter 5, 12, and 14, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through the, through the one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. In verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is the type of the coming one. You see, sin and death are inseparable partners. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of sin... We are, all of us, are doomed to die. The Bible says also that in Romans 6.23, for the wages, the results, the payment of sin, of course, is death. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they brought God's judgment on themselves and their descendants and their world. But even as God was passing out their judgment, he gave us hope. Praise God. Why? Because he loved us 
so, so much. And he didn't give up on us. That hope is about the second tree. It's called the trees on a hillside. We find that in Luke chapter 23, 33, 34, and 38 and 43. And when they arrived at the place called the Skull or Golgotha, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. An inscription was above him. And what was the inscription on the cross? Anybody remember? Jesus. What is it? King of the Jews. And then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us too. But the other answer rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the, for the things we did. But this man done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me. And paradise. Jesus, like Adam, came into a world without sin. But he was not born in a perfect garden. If you think about it, Jesus was born where, kids? In Bethlehem. Where in Bethlehem? In a stable. You think that stable smelled good? I don't think so. Jesus, king of the Jews, born in Bethlehem in a manger, in a stable, a stinky, smelly stable. And if you think about it, it is also the condition of the world itself. Stinky and smelly. Unlike Adam, Jesus never yielded to the temptations that he faced. See, in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are. Yet, praise God, without sin. You see, he lived a life of love and ministry to a people that he created and a people with whom he wanted a relationship with, just like you and I. But the people to whom he came wanted nothing to do with him and the message that he delivered. And he told the people that they were religious, but that they were not right with God. He told them that he was the only way to get to God, to get to the Father. You see, it wasn't being good. It wasn't doing good things. It wasn't giving a lot of money. And it wasn't even having the right heritage. He told them that they had to put a good, he told them that they put on up a good show on the outside, but inside they were rotten to the core. They were wrapped real pretty so that they looked like there was something extra special inside, 
But all that was inside was an empty box or a cold heart. The people didn't like to hear that, so they got upset. And you know the rest of the story of what they did. Because of their sin, they crucified our Lord. The Bible records in Luke 23:33 that after Jesus had been tie, uh, tried by, by a kangaroo court, he was also nailed to a cross along with two other criminals. And the three hung there side by side with Jesus in the middle. One criminal began to mock Jesus along with the rest of the crowd. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. You see, they were wanting Jesus to take away their pain. But they did not want to give, at least one of them did not want to give his life for Jesus. You see, I don't really care for you to have any control in my life. I just want the presence that you can give me. Think about that. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. You see, that young man hanging beside Jesus realized something that, that we need to realize. Most of the pain that we experience is not because an evil God delights in seeing us suffer. That pain comes because of the sin that we have in our lives. We deserve every heart, heartache that we endure because of our rebellion against God. We don't have the right to shake our fists in the face of God. The young man spoke correctly when he said that our punishment is just. But that young man didn't end his conversation with Jesus by talking about punishment and judgment. He asked Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. Do you think Jesus forgot? No. Do you think Jesus forgets about you when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you live for him? No. On that day, Jesus died on a tree of Christmas. Because of that death, all mankind now has the means to live forevermore. You see, the first tree of Christmas brought death. The second tree of Christmas brought life. In Ephesians 2, 12, 13, it says, At that time when you were without Christ, excluded from the citizen of Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Adam's act of sin brought death, but Jesus's act of obedience brought life. In Romans 5, 18, 19 says, For then as... As through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, 
so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. There were two men hanging on the tree beside Jesus that day. One rejected Jesus, and because of that, we'll never get to see the last tree of Christmas. But the other man received the forgiveness that Jesus offered, and because of that, he lives forever, even though his body died on that day, that one, like all who takes Jesus' payment for a sin as their own, gets to enjoy the last tree of Christmas. And that last tree of Christmas is what we call the tree in heaven. Revelations 22, 1 through 5, it says, Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruits every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face as his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of the lamp, of the light of the sun, because of the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, part of the results was that they were banned from the Garden of Eden. We see that in Genesis 3, 22 through 24. And the Lord God said, since the man has become one, like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. In verse 24, it says, after he drove man out, he places on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You see, the banishment from the Garden of Eden was not a punishment. It was a protection. Think about it. You got the tree of life, and if they went and they ate from the tree of life, that means they would never die but they would be in rebellion of God forever and ever and ever, and that would be sin. But God was protecting them from that. But the day is coming when all who have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior will once again have access to the tree of life. And we just read that in Revelations chapter 5, 1 through 5, or chapter 22, 1 through 5. Yes, I, I want you to imagine that each family represented here has some kind of tree like the one you see on the screen. And if you don't, that's okay. But if that is all that you have, then you will not really be celebrating Christmas tomorrow. Not until you have Jesus of this tree the one who gave his life for you and me. The one who shed his blood 
so that we can be righteous before God the Father. Will you truly know the joy and peace of Christmas? This morning we talked again about three trees. I know it's a little strange, but this is really a Christmas story. The first tree brought sin into the world, and with sin came death. The second tree was an act of commitment, the tree on the hillside, and it opened the way for us to receive forgiveness of sin. Jesus, God himself, died on a tree to pay the debt that you and I owed. The third tree, the tree of life in heaven, is only available to those who come to Jesus. They admit their sinfulness before God, believe that he died on the cross, which is that second tree, to pay for their sins and rose again, and then commit their whole life into his care. You know, I hope this morning, I know it's, it, it was a different message that maybe you were, weren't expecting. But from Genesis to Revelation is really the Christmas story because of the love of God he has for you and I. I hope that when you wake up in the morning, kids, and you gather around that Christmas tree, that you think about that first tree in Genesis and what that second tree did for us because of Jesus Christ. And when we're able to accept that second tree, then we're going to be able to really enjoy the true meaning of Christmas. Emmanuel, God, Let's pray. Father God, again, it's, it's awesome that we can come into a place like this. Sing those traditional Christmas songs about you. Be encouraged by what you have for us in your word. We thank you, Father, for the peace, the hope, the joy, the love that you give us. We thank you, Father, for those wonderful blessings of life. But Father, we thank you also for Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit speaks to us. And how Holy Spirit may convict because of our sinful nature. That we give it all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. This last Wednesday... I was able to share the Christmas story with the Iwana kids.
And uh, <clears throat> I asked them, I said, what is, whose birthday is it on the 25th of December? And now, of course, they said, it's Jesus' birthday. And they were excited. And I said, it is? I said, then why are you getting all the presents in there and he's not? <laughs> and one of the kids says, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, and then I shared with them the greatest gift that we can give Jesus is our heart and our life because he wants to bless our socks off. So I hope this Christmas season that you look and you think about how much God loves you.